The following program is brought to you by TasteBud Entertainment. Welcome to two hours of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. Wake up and dig in, food lovers. Good morning to you. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio, bringing you all the flavor every Sunday morning. Good morning to you, Lana. And good morning, everyone. What's cooking this weekend? This is your culinary culture and lifestyle show that celebrates food and wine, and we're keeping you updated on the food scene. This is a deep exploration every Sunday morning of a broad range of culinary topics, so we hope you'll stay tuned. Set your culinary sights higher. You just might learn something. We're getting fresh this morning with ideas and inspiration to eat better and live better, and we're hoping to make you hungry. Let me tell you what is on your plate this morning. Coming up in just a bit, we will be joined by Chef Connie Anderson. For those of you Angelinos who remember his long tenure at the Four Seasons on Doheny. He has since traveled the world, and he is coming to us live from Vietnam, where the MGM Ho Tram Beach Hotel is soon to open, and I cannot wait to go. I am dying to visit. Wait till you hear we're going to dish on pho and pork and all the fabulous things that he's cooking in Vietnamese style. Coming up just before that, in fact, stay tuned because we're adding flavor and boosting the deliciousness of your dishes using specialty oils. Sharon Stathers of International Collection Oils joins us. Coming up at 9 a.m., don't miss it, he is the Food Network's Tyler Florence. And he's here to talk about his newest cookbook called Fresh and his truly beautiful food, a new approach from Tyler Florence that's really fabulous. And I find him incredibly inspiring. He's a really talented, talented chef. Also, you'll hear from Chef Christian Page here in Los Angeles at the L.A. Farmer's Market. There's a new restaurant called Short Order, and I have had a burger and some crispy potatoes and an entire bucket of fried pickles. And I'm proud, I have to tell you. And they were absolutely delicious. He's going to dish on his commitment to sustainability and what does make a really great burger. Plus, we're juicing to keep you eating well and living well. So stay tuned. There's delicious conversation in your radio for the next two hours. Grab a cup of coffee. Don't touch your dial. Sit down and hopefully dig in with us. You'll find all the information as we serve up seconds on this radio show at chefjamie.com. And seeing that the Oscars are just a week away, we thought we'd kick off this show with some ideas for menus inspired by the Best Picture nominees. If you celebrate the Academy Awards, and we all do, it's actually considered... Uh, the number three most watched television experience annually in the States, which I think is amazing. The big game is first, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, the uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade second, and then from what I understand, the Academy Awards third. This is a big year for movies. The year's nine Best Picture nominees actually inspire a whole night of Oscar menus, just depending upon whether you're planning a sophisticated supper or a really casual movie night. So, Lana, I love that uh, we have a list, you and I, of Mm -hmm. our favorite movies and the menus that apply. And I think they're all red carpet worthy. If you want to kick it off. 
Um, let's start with Argo, which was my favorite movie of the year. Yeah, I loved it too. And I uh, had thought about choosing Peanuts for the Jimmy Carter nostalgia. <laughs> That's fun. Of it. Uh, and both a peanut butter pie, which was a cook with Lana a little while ago. Yes. As well as a uh, nut-crusted chicken breast with orange and uh, oregano. Nice. And a little chipotle in there. So the peanut uh, nut-crusted chicken Uh and some uh, grated orange rind or lemon rind (laughs) and some fresh oregano and thyme. A great peanut dish yeah, for Argo. Definitely. And and to Carter's time um, as a peanut farmer, in mm-hmm. fact, I love the idea of a brittle, both sweet and savory. So mm. I was thinking to take that peanut to a brittle stage, make a simple caramel with sugar and water and bring it to hardball stage and then mix in. You could use toffee peanuts or uh, just roasted peanuts Mm. or even the raw peanuts if you like that flavor profile and then pour the brittle out on a silpat lined baking sheet or even parchment paper lined and let it set until it's hard and crackable and then break it into pieces whether you're serving your peanut crusted chicken or a big pot of chili which is what i love to do Mm. during uh, the sports season or you're putting out a bowl of ice cream you can stick a big shard of uh, that brittle which by the way is better with bacon if you want to chop up some cooked applewood smoked bacon from bristol farms and throw it in you have a bacon peanut brittle the opportunities are endless here really Uh, and i think all of them definitely inspired by Um, Ben Affleck's tension-filled drama. Great flick. Really, really great flick. What's next on your list? Um, I would say uh, Life of Pi. Yes. Uh, Some Indian spice fish would be lovely. Or even a uh, beet hummus, which is just so easy to make. It's so few ingredients, and it includes, of course, Melissa's peeled and steamed beets. Yeah, with. for those that don't know, you never have to roast a beet again because oh. our favorite produce company, Melissa's, who sells at Bristol Farms and everywhere you shop, uh, makes these steamed, peeled, ready-to-eat mm-hmm. beets that make a goat cheese salad or a beet hummus uh, literally seconds away. The greatest shortcut five-minute salad <laughs> yeah, around. Fabulous. And just add some tahini, lemon juice, a clove of garlic, and a little olive oil. Nice. Um, and it it's tangy, it has sweetness, and it's a touch of heat from the raw garlic as well. Beautiful. I love that. I didn't see Life of Pi. It's one of the movies I'm hoping to get in before next Sunday. I know that you loved it, and it's it's one that I don't want to miss. And I happen to love Indian food, so if it was your favorite movie of the year, plan an Indian feast and honor Life of Pi. I absolutely loved Les Miserables, mm. and I think that the musical was beautifully made into a, a full-feature motion picture. And I was thinking to cook classically French if Les Mis was was your movie of choice, mm. then whether it's um, beef bourguignon or a pot au feu or your favorite French dish, you should be drinking French red wine. You should be yeah. having creme brulee for dessert. Uh, I think that's the best way to honor Les Mis. And how about a quiche? It, oh, that's nice. always my favorite. Or little mini quiches as a mm-hmm. starter. Maybe Perfect. pop a bottle of French champagne, go all out. Oh, there we go. I think that sounds pretty good. And the list goes on. Uh, I like your um, idea for Lincoln, mm. as you spoke about. Just very traditional, all-American, but sort of uh, elevated. Yes, it's uh, all about quail, apples, and oysters. Definitely so. 
and um, and then last but not least, Zero Dark Thirty, which they're saying might possibly take the Best Picture award. Mm, we'll that's see. the one I have not seen yet, but I know that includes hummus and kebabs and tabula and ice cream. Yeah, all the Middle Eastern classics. Mm-hmm. And Silver sure. Lining Playbook is a Philly cheesesteak. Yeah, Silver Lining Playbook is definitely your casual fare. If you're mm-hmm. if you're going with Silver Linings Playbook as your best pick for top movie of the year for the Academy Awards, you have to serve all the the best casual Philly mm-hmm. fare. A friendly buffet would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, definitely so. And I love the the cheesesteak idea. Um, you could do um, open face uh like crab melt sandwiches if you wanted or you know some big sunday Mm -hmm. italian ragu which would be delicious and i don't think that an oscar party uh is complete without popcorn by the way i will mention that Mm -hmm. and i think it should be oscar worthy popcorn and i hope for those of you that listen loyally and every week and we thank you you heard michael chiarello here um some time ago talking about his best popcorns and they've become when i say popcorn i mean his best popcorn recipes they've become some of my favorite recipes he's taken popcorn to a new level and so on facebook at chef jamie gwen i'm gonna link a couple of the best recipes from michael chiarello for inspired popcorn as i like to call it he makes a chocolate orange brown butter popcorn and i happen to think brown butter is just one of the best things in the world that sounds fabulous and then do you remember i made a savory rosemary lemon brown butter popcorn lana and it really was memorable yes it has a beautiful savory note to it which i love and i thought it was memorable as well and fresh rosemary and lemon zest combine and i think it makes the perfect popcorn for cocktails so if you're interested in inspired popcorns, we have one posted on the website as well from our resident pastry chef, Abby Dodge. She mm. makes a spicy, buttery <clears throat> caramel popcorn, and I like all the combinations. Plus, you have a peanut butter caramel corn um, that I showed on Fox, in fact, yes. um, that was a huge hit. So yes. popcorn, definitely essential. It won't be an Oscars party without a big bowl of popcorn. And I think uh, that due to uh, the movies, I think we should add some curry popcorn to it. Ah, nice. And some Cajun popcorn, <laughs> and maybe some Southwestern popcorn. I like it. Oh, a whole popcorn menu. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Uh, Speaking of menus, if you're planning for Sunday supper or dinner tonight, stay tuned. We're going to dish on the marvel of meatloaf coming up. It's Mm. the technique of the week. I happen to think meatloaf is, and I talked to some chef friends earlier this week when I was working on the masterful meatloaf recipe, which, by the way, I didn't end up posting mine because nothing trumps yours, Lana. (laughs) So your meatloaf recipe inspired with the flavors of cumin, honey, Mm -hmm. uh, all the goodness of chipotle and adobo sauce is posted at chefjamie.com and we're going to dish on meatloaf but my chef friends who i was sitting lunching with talking about meatloaf uh all said that they find meatloaf is one of those things you could put anything in and it tastes good. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like macaroni and cheese with the leftover, you know, wedges of cheese you have in the cheese drawer. Mm-hmm. Meatloaf could be sun-dried tomato inspired if you have a little bit at the bottom of the jar. Or you could make it Mediterranean inspired and add um, olives and capers to mm-hmm. it. Or you can a- add an influence from just about anywhere. And we'll talk about it because meatloaf for dinner tonight sounds pretty good to me. A veggie meatloaf. Love that. Hide your veggie for the kids. There you go. They'll never know. Uh, (laughs) We want to mention a couple of upcoming events that we hope you will join us for. There's a wonderful luncheon coming up on Friday, March 15th at the Weston South Coast Plaza where you can meet the famed costume designer Edith Head. 
Well, yes, almost. <laughs> uh, Lana and I are proud you, to be supporting working wardrobes. And Susan Classen is reprising her role as Edith Head, the famous costume designer. It's a fashion show event uh, to support working wardrobes, which is a charity that empowers men and women and young adults and veterans to confidently enter or re-enter the workforce with wardrobe services. Tickets are still available for this enchanting event. You can learn more at workingwardrobes.org. And then our dear friend, friend who is in its 16th year celebrating mm. her incredible commitment to chalk. Uh, Gloria Zigner is once again gearing up for the latest original musical of the Chalk Follies. It's called Viva Chalk Vegas. And the Follies has become a very beloved annual event um, that has raised nearly $6 million to support the hospital. And bravo, we are, Gloria. Yes, bravo. We are proud to support. Learn more so that you can buy tickets for March 28th, 29th, or 30th at chalk.org org choc.org slash chalkfollies.com and then of course we hope that you will come cruise with us this ticket price not so bad either i have to mention oceana cruise lines is uh, going to take us on an extraordinary tour of the baltics and there is no doubt art and history and uh, an extraordinary opportunity to see the world. And we hope you will check out chefjamie.com to learn more. It's $4,300 per person, including round-trip airfare. And we depart September 3rd of this year. Please come cruise with me. We would love it. When we come back, what do you do with all those flavored infused oils on your counter? How do you create dishes that come alive with flavor? Stay tuned. Sharon's Gathers of International Collection. Coming to you right after this, Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana as the delicious conversation continues. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. This is radio's answer to culinary conversation and inspiration. We're celebrating food and its ability to feed the soul. Okay, for those of us who indulged a little over the festive season, what better way to usher in the new year and keep with those resolutions than by introducing a healthy twist using one flavorful single ingredient? We are great fans of international collection oils. They're flavored oils. They're nut oils. They're amazing line of Asian oils as well, and they really add tremendous flavor to a variety of dishes. Live from just north of London, she is here to add a splash of color and a kaleidoscope of new flavor to our evening meals, whether it be breakfast, lunch, or dinner. This is the flavor enhancer you need to know about. She is Sharon Stathers of International Collection Oils, and she is here. Uh, we say good morning, but it's evening for you, Sharon, so hello. Hello. Hi, <laughs> Chef Jamie and Lana. Oh, good morning. We're so glad to have you back. Uh, talk to us, if you would, about the growing trend of oils, whether it be the international collection flavored oils, the Asian oils. What I love about your oils is that they're exceptional for cooking, but for finishing as well. Oh, yeah. There's so many usages for our oils. I mean, if we look at the flavored oils, for example, they're perfect for cooking with, for finishing. You know, the ones that are highly colored are good for plate decoration as well. So there's so many uses, not just solely for cooking, actually. I think plate presentation is a really interesting mm -hmm. approach here because you see in all of the fine dining restaurants a drizzle of chili oil mm -hmm. or a drizzle of a, a bright green colored oil. The basil oil that Sharon does is so beautiful. That green color is just little drops on a plate. 
Perfect. Enhance it. Perfect. On a plain white dish, it mm-hmm. looks really elegant. Mm-hmm. It does. So let's start there. The International Collection flavored oils are made from 100% olive oil and all natural flavorings, I know, because we've committed to 2013 to be all natural and pure in both of our kitchens. So talk to us about the basil flavored olive oil. I'll tell you the best thing, Sharon, I've ever done with it was took a grilled pizza right off the barbecue, that smoky, delicious crust, the melting cheese, the rich tomato, and drizzled the basil oil. And as I walked from the barbecue back inside the house, the smell, that beautiful Mm. aroma wafted and followed Mm. me. Mm. Yeah, the basil is a fantastic product and it's really well suited to something like a pizza or pasta. I mean, I really love the basil one, you know, drizzled over some mozzarella um, Mm. with tomatoes, used to create a nice tasty bruschetta, or just drizzled over some roasted vegetables. It's really good as well. Beautiful. I love the idea, too, on the website, by the way, at internationalcollection.co.uk. There's a suggestion of using the basil-flavored oil over scrambled eggs. So for oh. breakfast, yeah, if you're making a frittata, Perfect. what a beautiful way mm. to finish with just that herbaceous scent and flavor. Talk to us about the garlic-flavored oil. I read an interesting article, Sharon, in fact, that the uh, flavors of garlic we have proven are to our health benefit, of course. And they say get it any way you can. So if you're not a raw garlic fan, this is a really nice way to add that subtle flavor mm-hmm. to your dishes. It is, and the garlic oil as well is a really convenient way to put garlic in a dish. You know, mm-hmm. A lot of people like garlic, but they maybe don't like preparing the garlic, peeling the clove, chopping it, and they kind of maybe feel it contaminates the chopping board or the cutlery with, with the smell. Um, so this is a really, really good way to get garlic in a dish without the, um, the hassle of having to prepare the cloves. Again, it's really kind of suited for Mediterranean cuisine, um, Italian cuisine. It's a very, very nice product and just has such a, such a wonderful flavor and aroma to it. Again, as you said, drizzled over a, drizzled over a pizza would be very nice you know, mm-hmm. to kind of when you get to the crust to be able to dip the crust into the garlic oil nice. is a really mm-hmm. other good way to use the product. I like to. I'm getting hungry. I know I am too. Mm. I'll take pizza at this hour in the morning. Um, I like to compound the flavor of garlic as well. So if I'm making a scampi with big, beautiful prawns and fresh linguine, let's say, I'll use fresh garlic in the saute. I'll throw roasted garlic cloves. This is why I can't kiss anyone goodnight uh, <laughs> into the dish, and then I'll finish with the garlic oil as well. And it's really an an interesting compounding mm-hmm. of flavors, like a, a trio of garlic scampi for those vampires out there. Uh, I'll post the recipe in case anyone should want it. Sharon, talk to us about the citrus oil. Seeing that, you know, winter here is very high citrus season for us. I love the zest of blood oranges and grapefruit and lemon. Um, but I think that you need additional flavor because the zest tends to dissipate. And you do some citrus oils that are just outrageously beautiful in flavor. Yeah, we do um, We do a lemon-flavored olive oil and a blood orange-flavored olive oil. And I really like those for fish and seafood. They yes. don't overpower the dish. They're great. They're just great for finishing, for drizzling. But you can also use them for sweet applications as well. So you could bake with them. Um, muffins would be ideal for both of those products. And with the blood orange, that one is suited to game as well. So um, duck. The blood orange is very nice served with um, grilled duck. Mm. Lana, your your nice. favorite Cornish game hens could be beautifully enhanced with some blood orange oil. Oh. In a marinade, even while roasting. Ooh, the perfect roast no chicken doubt. with lemon-flavored olive oil. And I, I love doing my beet salad with tarragon and the blood orange oil. 
That's a nice compliment. It's just lovely. That together. sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. I know you want to come over, Sharon. <laughs> oh, yes, please. Okay, come well, on over for dinner. We'll have you anytime. Um, <laughs> let's talk about nut oils. One of the things that I learned uh, many, many years ago in professional kitchens was that the beauty of a vinaigrette was enhanced by a combination of oils. So while I make the simplest vinaigrettes with two parts to one oil to acid, whether it be vinegar or whether I like to use citrus juice as well. I always finish with a flavored oil and I love to use your hazelnut, the walnut, even the almond. It really brings the vinaigrette alive. It does. I mean, my my personal favorite one for a vinaigrette is walnut oil. Mm-hmm. And the walnut oil combined with one of our vinegars, we do a sherry wine vinegar and a champagne wine vinegar in the international collection range. It's just exquisite. It's rich, but it's it's kind of, it's, it's subtle as well as being rich. It's not overpowering, and it's just a really nice dressing on a on a simple green salad. Oh, for Very sure. Elegant. And even drizzled over salmon. We talked about the lemon or the blood orange oil over seafood. The nut oils are a beautiful complement as well. If you want to add that additional sort of complexity of flavor, as if you were to crust a piece of fish with your favorite macadamia nuts or pistachios, you can do the same thing. You can add that same flavor profile by, by drizzling with a nut oil after finishing that piece of salmon or that piece of sea bass. Mm. And it really does heighten the flavor. I think the macadamia and the, um, and the sweet almond oil, those two, I would say, probably pair best with, um, mm. with fish. I remember once having a macadamia-crusted mahi-mahi mm. uh, on vacation one year. And again, that's something you can easily try and create when you get home using one of our products. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely so. And you really do get that same flavor profile. I love the purity of your oils. You mentioned the macadamia nut. That's that's your favorite, Lana, right? Oh, I love that. And I happen yes. to love the hazelnut. And I will never forget, a couple of years ago, in fact, we were with Sharon in San Francisco at the Fancy Food Show. Mm-hmm. And there was a hazelnut brownie, Sharon, oh. that you were sharing. And I couldn't get enough of it. So I've posted it again at chefjamie.com with a link to International Collections website so that you can grab that recipe. But we now have another recipe to add to that. Sharon's chocolate chip cookies made with macadamia nut oil. Yeah, bring on the baking. (laughs) (laughs) And we're all supposed to be cutting down after the holidays. Oh, a little Um, bit of indulgence. I'm talking about baking. I know, I know. But we'll look for that cookie recipe as well. And then with just a minute or so left here, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that the Asian flavors that you have compounded into a bottle, I think make it so super simple for the busy home cook. And so the flavors of garlic and ginger and chili and toasted sesame oil all come together. Your stir fry oil is one of my favorite single ingredient miracles, I like to call it. It's like my secret single ingredient and you could even drizzle with a don't finish tell anybody, no i won't tell anyone you shouldn't either uh drizzle of fiery toasted sesame oil that's the other one i love as well it's that heat and the flavor of the sesame that really comes through i mean that one the heat and the sesame is just delicious together mm. and and again that one uses a finishing oil is absolutely perfect or 
know, for an Asian salad, it's really nice too. But the Chinese one, it is just such a combination of flavours and garlic and ginger toasted sesame. And, you know, some people might feel overwhelmed when they look at a, a new recipe and think, oh, I, you know, I'm afraid of using all those ingredients. I don't know how much to do of each one. This just makes it nice and easy because you get all those flavours in one handy bottle. Isn't that true? And while we have very savvy food listeners uh, here on this program, you might not want to take the time to chop the garlic, grate the ginger. It is everything all in one bottle, like trapped inside. It's absolutely so flavorful. You must try it. You will find International Collection Oils at Bristol Farms at your favorite supermarkets. You can even order them online. We've posted the hazelnut brownie recipe at chefjamie.com with a direct link to internationalcollection.co.uk. And then in addition, uh, I recommend that you... Uh, go on uh, to Twitter and sign up so that you can follow the hashtag INTL underscore collection and follow what International Collection uh, is busy doing, creating new recipes. It's a great recipe resource, Sharon, and it's always a pleasure to have you. Thank you for bringing new flavors alive in 2013. We look forward to more International Collection flavor profiles in the months to come. No, thank you. Thank you for having me back on. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. A pleasure. New ideas, quick tips, easy recipes, all here as the delicious conversation continues. Don't go away. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. Do you have adventurous taste? Well, then listen here. We are delighted to be back in touch with a gentleman who is a living legend in the culinary world. With over 30 years in food and beverage, Chef Connie Anderson was last seen in the U.S. as a restaurateur. And prior to that, you knew him and loved him as the executive chef of the Four Seasons in Beverly Hills. He brought the Four Seasons to the first AAA Five Diamond Resort level. And he has continued his culinary journey. In fact, journeying far. We are speaking with him live from the MGM Grand Ho Tram Beach Hotel in Vietnam where he is opening a new property and enlightening us to new flavors. I know it's a, a good morning to you, Chef, and uh, it's evening to us as we record this, but very nice to talk with you again. Yeah, it's great to be on the show, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's good old times, and, uh, you know, talking to you, I, I even miss, I miss L.A. I, I would imagine so, although, I, oh God, I can only imagine how beautiful it is where you are in Vietnam. L.A. misses you, too. Tell us about the resort and what you can see out your window? Well, you know, I'm here at the Ho Tran Beach in South Vietnam, which is basically two hours south of uh, Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City. Mm. And we are slated to open up a 1,100-room casino hotel. With We have 12 restaurants and huge banquet facility. We are right on the beach, and it is it's really a beautiful, stunning property. Oh, it must be. Tell us about the the audience or who you expect to come and visit. Uh, certainly with the restaurants and the menus I'm sure you're creating, uh, there's something for every food lover. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're catering to all groups here. It's a global concept. But mostly the people we focus on here or the people that's going to be attractive is the, a lot of the Chinese, Korean, Japanese, a lot of the Asian clientele, which mm-hmm. will come this way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously then we have to have a lot of the, the restaurants uh, focusing on that type of cuisine. We have 10 restaurants here, and, and of course, it's including wow. a, a Chinese restaurant. We have a Michelin star chef that came in. Uh, we have a Vietnamese-French bistro, like the Indochine bistro, because it's a lot of that 
French influence left here in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Of all people, you might know him, but I have actually a chef from L.A. here who's heading that up, and that is Jean-Francois Metzinger. Ah, oui. <laughs> ah, oui, ah, oui. You know, you always did travel in, in lovely circles, Connie. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, Jean-Francois Metinier and Connie Anderson in Vietnam. Not so bad. That's, yeah, yeah, we're doing all right. And, <laughs> and actually, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, when I first came here to Vietnam, and well, I first came to L.A., and I was looking for work, and this was in the mid-'80s, and the best place to work was, of course, Lorangerie on La Cienega Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went off the street, and I met Jean-Francois, and we worked, and, you know, and then we became friends for all these years. And when I needed now a, a French chef here, I called him up and said, Jean-Francois, find me a good French chef for my restaurant. I said, how about me? He said, (laughs) (laughs) okay, all right. So 25 years later, of course, Jean-Francois is uh, working with us here, and it's really exciting. That's incredible. You know, paths always do cross again. We have always been a great fan of your food and friends when you were here in Los Angeles and friends far away as well. Uh, from the Four Seasons and beyond. Um, But I know that you were born in Gothenburg, Sweden, so I wonder if Swedish meatballs or herring is going to make its way into any of your menus. Well, (laughs) it's funny. (laughs) You know, know, it's interesting because some of that pungent food, the salty, the sweet, the sour, that we actually have quite a bit in uh, in Scandinavia, actually goes over quite well here in Asia, you know. So you will see it. When you come here and have breakfast, you for sure will have some... uh, some hard bread and a few herrings on a buffet, you know, <laughs> just because, that simple reason I'm from Sweden. Just because. Uh, Tell us what else is on the menu, though, Chef. I mean, what other flavors, you know, as you mentioned with Vietnamese food, definitely yeah. salty, sour, sweet, all of the different, uh, what all I call sensory yeah. flavors, right? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a lot of Vietnamese, like the, in the Indochine Bistro, French. they have a lot of that crossover French. This is like the capital of fish sauce and lime and all those sort of things. And describing Vietnamese food in a brief, I would say it's a very living cuisine. You know, it's very mm. fresh, it's very crisp, and it's very vegetable and herb-driven type cuisine, which is really wonderful. Uh, rice paper wraps and all of those things. That's one thing I was going to mention to you. One of my favorite things is a Vietnamese salad roll. And I wondered if, right. if you would talk us through how to make one. Okay. Well, you know, first of all, you know, rice paper. You, you have to uh, get as thin as rice paper as you can and have a little damp towel. Have a little spray bottle of like a mist, a water mist, and spray the rice paper instead of dipping it into water. What a and, great and, idea. Yes, instead of dip, yeah, because when you dip it in too much water, usually it goes too soft. It gets too gluey. Too gluey, and exactly. In Vietnam, it's very common to do uh, prawns and a shaved pork loin inside. Mm. Uh, a little lettuce wrap, a little uh, Vietnamese basil, uh, uh, maybe even a piece of mint. And it's very, very simple. And a little fresh rice noodles inside as well as a filler. Wrap it up like a little crepe. And uh, you do your little fish sauce that you have, you know, with your vinegar, your fish sauce, your sugar, your chilies, and, uh, you know, and it, it, it's very simple. And, and it's supposed to be very simple, and it's very healthy, and it's very good for you. And that's what I love about it. It has this wonderful fresh profile to it, Chef, that yes. I think lends itself to lunch or dinner as a starter. I think it's wonderful to put out, uh, no matter what the occasion, if you're gathering friends and family. It's sort of like salad all wrapped up. And I I love anything you can dip in a sauce. Yes, all in one. I mean, yeah, like you said, any time for a a fresh rice paper roll. I mean, mean, it's everywhere here. And 
and you do your own. You can have a little platter of all different kind of mixture. You, you know, you, ra- you roll your own at the table, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a great way of eating, you know. What kind of chilies are you using, Chef? I know that many of the Asian cultures, of course, like it hot. And we're seeing more and more chilies come into play here in the States. I mean, the, yeah. the ghost pepper, those threads of yeah. chili that were once considered to be the hottest, have now been outdone. And, in fact, Melissa's Produce, whom I'm sure you remember from uh-huh, here yeah, in the sure. States, has just released a scorpion pepper to outdo the ghost chili. But there and must be a Vietnamese chili even hotter. But the scorpion chili, I think that's an orig- original from Trinidad area. Is uh, it? Yeah, I think so. It's a Caribbean chili, it's like in the family of habanero. Those ones are considered, I mean, for me, they are probably the hottest chili in the world. And here they have some long chilies, it's similar to the Thai, the, the red, like a little bird-eye chilies is very common here, the red and the green, they're the most common chilies right here. You and know, it's, it's, it's very similar in a way like Thailand. How hot is the cuisine? You know, you, you know, everybody thinks the Vietnamese food is really hot, hot. It's actually not hot at all. You make it hot if you please, but it's not necessarily not hot. It's just very clean food, more than anything, uh, loaded with a lot of fresh herbs and uh, living salads and, 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 uh, and vegetables. It's extremely, uh, I mean, if you want to spike it up, of course, you always have the chilies on the side, but naturally, they don't make it spicy. Hmm. I think it's so interesting, all of the dynamics of flavors in the Vietnamese cuisine. If we wanted to add a couple of Vietnamese ingredients to our pantry to infuse some of that flavor, what would your top three be? Well, I would say the, uh, as far as herb, you will always have the Vietnamese basil. You, you have to have that. Uh, you would have a fish sauce. You have to have a fish sauce. You have to have your fresh lime. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else would one have? Uh, of course, Rice paper in abundance, you know. Yes, in, in abundance, for sure. Yeah. Uh, talk to us, Connie, about pho. I know the proper pronunciation. We know that yeah. the Vietnamese soup pot, yeah. which is just so full of goodness, yeah, which I love. Won- it's a wonderful thing. I mean, pho, is a, is, as I said, is pho. Pho. Yeah. It's a beef broth, very clear, and, and a very, um, what shall I say, when I do this broth, there's a lot of love going into it because they start the day before, how they you know, put it in water, how they clear it, and how they rinse it. it. It takes a few days, and it's basically almost like a consomme with cinnamon, ginger, caramelized shallots for the color, and the star anise, uh, and I make this really strong broth. Mm. And uh, many times, I mean, there's many choices of meats you have. I mean, I have actually a fur noodle shop here at the hotel, mm. and you have uh, we have six types of different noodle, like different fur. And one will be all beef, where you have raw beef, oxtail, meatballs, and all this sort of thing in, or you can have a brisket only. And I mean, it's really a, um, a variety of different beef that goes in there. And uh, of course, a lot of bean sprouts goes there. That they, of course, the basil again uh, in there and uh, beautiful fresh rice noodles i mean it's wonderful wonderful i think we have to plan a field trip chef because oh, i yeah, need absolutely. to do some, <laughs> some research you have um a burger bar i find that absolutely fabulously fascinating at the mgm grand ho tram beach vietnam is that true yeah yes yeah well you know what actually it is we have a fast food corner together with the with the first shop and what it is it's basically play on Fat burger, like we have it in LA. Of you course. It, yeah, it's really cool, and, <laughs> and you cannot make your own. And then I have uh, 
three signature burger there. And of course, because being in Vietnam, you have to do a little play on a Vietnamese burger. So I have one, one called a triple pork burger, oh. you know, and <laughs> it's very mean. interesting. And uh, we have, of course, a Wagyu, and then I have a, a chopped lobster burger, the signature burger. Wow. And then you have all the different, uh, you know, like a fat burger style, but of course, the really high-end products, you know, and it's, uh, it's really popular. Chef, tell us the three porks. They have a sandwich here that is very f- famous called banh mi. Banh yes, mi is something of that the French, yes, the French left it over. And every street corner here in Vietnam, you can have a beautiful baguette, crispy with liver pate, pickled vegetables, um, charcuterie inside. Um, oh. And it costs you a dollar with some fresh juice. Wait, and chef, chef, a- we'll be right there. But first, we have to take a quick break. We'd like to continue okay. to talk with you. So please stay with us. This okay, is well, truly <laughs> global cuisine. <laughs> I, I got you excited. You got me excited. This is the, the truth of global cuisine. Chefs from around the world truly uh, influencing all of our incredible likes and our palates as well. Connie Anderson, he is live from the MGM Grand Ho Tram Beach Hotel in Vietnam. There's more after this. You wouldn't dare touch your dial. Welcome back. We're spicing up your life. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. You can thank me later for this extraordinary opportunity to travel the world through your radio. He is Connie Anderson with 30 plus years of incredible legacy in the food and beverage industry. And as he continues, he is the executive chef of the MGM Grand Ho Tram Beach Hotel in Vietnam, where 10 restaurants are definitely making their mark all with Connie Anderson at the helm. He is with us from Vietnam this morning, and we're so glad to continue the conversation. Chef, thank you for staying with us. Okay, you left us off talking about banh mi, and you said liver pate and pickled vegetables, and I was starting to salivate. What I said, this is a very common street fast food here yes. in Vietnam, and it's amazing. You're walking down this any little alleyway, and you find the best baguette with charcuterie or liver pate and all this kind of thing, and you know, I lived on it for months, first coming to Saigon, and, you know, you cannot get enough on it. And the price for a buck or two, whatever it is, it's amazing. So, anyway, that brought me back to coming here, when I, and what I do in, in my world with the hotels is I'm bringing in that flavor from the outside, and I bring that into this environment. So, of course, I have to have a little fun with the flavors without losing the, um, you know, the, what it should be like. So I have this triple pork burger that actually stems from my walking on the street having this banh mi, and I have it's a pork shoulder, ground pork shoulder patty with mm-hmm. a liver pate and some pickled vegetables, and I have some dried shredded pork as well. So the three pork would be the liver pate, your shredded pork is like a jerky floss, and then you have your little pork patty and the pickled vegetables in a bun. And oh. <laughs> it's, oh. yeah, yeah, it's very special, and it's becoming quite a signature burger. People love it, and also, you know, the Vietnamese, they love it when you do something with their, with their food, and when you step it up a little bit, and you do something with their flavors, and it's like a little extra, extra fun. I, I love the innovation of three kinds of pork. It makes me think of, we're seeing lots of chicharron, a lot of pork rinds here now, Chef. Oh, yeah. Yes. A lot of a lot of pork in this country here. They, they, uh, you know, it's uh, almost every meal. There's <laughs> something that it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. When you make that pork patty, if I wanted to try and our listeners wanted to attempt the same 
uh, creation. Maybe it goes on the barbecue or we're making um, a pork right. burger. What should we add to the meat for flavor? Well, in, in the meat, you do a pork shoulder. You, uh, you add a little fish sauce. Okay. You add a little chopped ginger inside. You add a little green onion. Mm. You know, you add a little bit of star anise powder inside there, salt, pepper. Keep it kind of rough. And you do a little patty and griddle like that. Actually, also a little bit of palm sugar inside the burger mix because it caramelizes the meat very nicely. Mm. And uh, it, it turns out absolutely beautiful. I see a pork burger coming off the barbecue a la Connie Anderson <laughs> very soon. <laughs> I'll uh, send you the recipe. I right? would love that. We'll post it on the website. You must keep in touch, please, Chef. We'd love to yes, have uh, you back and, and hear the progress of the restaurants in Vietnam and your newest dishes uh, yeah. And if you're coming home to visit at any point soon, can you leave us with something sweet? What is the most traditional Vietnamese dessert that you love to eat? Well, you know, it's, it, over here, it's, it's a lot of fresh fruits and a lot of uh, lychees, sort of. And mm, uh, lychees on crushed ice and, uh, yes. you know, some kind of syrup. Uh, fruit is the main thing here, more than anything in, in Vietnam. Every meal, always fresh fruit and some light cheese or something or mm. crushed ice and some syrup. Uh, lovely. I'll take it. I can't wait. Tell us, when <laughs> can we expect the hotel to open and when will you be launching all these restaurants? Well, the restaurant are going to be opening here anytime this first quarter. We are ready, for, uh, we are ready to put the key in the door. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of a yes, TBA, but we are ready. The restaurants are actually humming. We've been doing all our simulations and we've been doing dry runs and we've been fine-tuning everything, so... It should be right around the corner when wow. we open the doors. I, I really can tell you from the website, mgmgrandhotrambeach.com, I want to jump on an airplane right now and come and see you. It looks absolutely extraordinarily beautiful. The restaurants look impeccable and incredible. And with you at the helm, we know that it will be nothing but delicious. We wish you great continued success. Hopefully we will see you, uh, whether in Vietnam or in Beverly Hills, at some point uh, soon. Somewhere. They meet up somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> definitely so. Most definitely. It is the All excitement right. of Vegas, the beauty of Vietnam. Connie Anderson live from the MGM Grand Ho Tram Beach Hotel in Vietnam. Chef, it is such a pleasure absolutely to reconnect with you. And again, we can't wait to talk with you again soon. Great. Looking forward to it. Thank Always you. a pleasure. Really cannot wait to visit Connie uh, in Vietnam and to go to this hotel. What an exciting conversation. We're hoping to have Connie back and in your radio to share many more of the virtues of Vietnamese cuisine. So please stay tuned. And please check out ChefJamie.com where you'll find excerpted recipes you heard on this show. We're always serving up seconds with the recipe of the week with a Cook with Lana recipe inspired by Lana every week as well. And the technique of the week, hoping to make you a better cook in in your own kitchen. This week's technique of the week is to marvel at meatloaf because I crave meatloaf. It's like the ultimate in homey comfort food, I think, Lana. It's easy to make, and with a fluffy mound of mashed potatoes, I think it's very hard to resist. And then leftovers are the ultimate, right? Because you can make a meatloaf sandwich or meatloaf sliders, and you could add a chipotle ketchup and caramelized onions or tomato bacon jam and some spicy watercress leaves. 
I think it's really feel-good food, meatloaf. So if you're looking for a Sunday supper that will bring everyone to the table tonight, you can customize the meatloaf any way you like, from lean turkey to uh, robust but, you know, very uh, purely flavored bison. You can add rich Italian sausage and then choose your vegetables and your herbs and your other mix-ins. And... Then you can even finish your loaf if you want to wrap it in bacon or glaze it with honey chipotle like you do, which is one of my favorites. We do have a few chef's tips for you when it comes to a marvelous meatloaf. Do not overmix your meatloaf. Just like you've heard me talk about meatballs, you need air pockets throughout the meat for the fat to flow. That's what makes for a juicy, delicious meatloaf. You always want the meatloaf to rest for at least 10 minutes before you serve it. This allows the juices to redistribute, and then that makes for perfect texture. And if you bake your meatloaf in a loaf pan, which I think ensures a very moist meatloaf, consider draining the fat. Uh, 15 minutes before the end of the cooking time to develop the crispy edges. And then you always want to make a test patty when you're working with any raw meat product, if you're making meatballs or meatloaf, and test it for seasoning. That's how I know whether I've seasoned it well before the meatloaf goes into the oven. Um, any thoughts, Lana? Yes, I uh, make my meatloaf on a, sh- on a sheet pan. Yeah, free, or... f- free form, right? Yes, I do. I do. I uh, um, just shape it out. And in fact, Connie was just talking about uh, banh mi sandwiches. Mm -hmm. And you could glaze your meatloaf with hoisin sauce. Mm. And it definitely has a banh mi-like flavor profile. Nice. Which is a nice way to go. I I think that uh, meatloaf is the perfect lunch to the next, uh, excuse me, dinner to the next lunch. Next day's lunch, yes. For a meatloaf sandwich. Yeah, There is nothing better than a meatloaf sandwich. That makes me want to have meatloaf for dinner tonight, just Mm -hmm. so you know. Uh, (laughs) That perfect Sunday night supper into a Monday lunch. Perfect. Uh, I've listed a bunch of additions at chefjamie.com for meatloaf inspiration. As you mentioned earlier, Lana, you can hide veggies. You can add sun-dried tomatoes, sautéed fennel, whole roasted garlic cloves, bunch of fresh herbs, even dried spices will work. Um, But I do love your meatloaf with the chipotle honey glaze, and so we've posted it. My mom's meatloaf is the best. You can share your best meatloaf recipe at live at chefjamie.com. That's the email address that will get you to us, L-I-V-E at chefjamie.com. Oh, I see meatloaf in my future for dinner tonight. I love it. This is a place for people that love to eat, delivering the world of food directly to your radio every Sunday. There's a whole nother hour of delicious conversation coming right at you, so stay tuned. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana, you're listening to KFWB News Talk 980. Welcome to the second hour of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. Welcome back. This is the second hour of delicious conversation. Set your culinary sights higher. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. What's your latest ingredient obsession? You can weigh in and dish at chefjamie.com or find me on Facebook and Twitter at Chef Jamie Gwen. 
Chef Jamie Gwen on Facebook and Twitter. If it's your New Year's resolution to become a better cook, stay tuned. We have the best culinary thinkers on this show. Coming up, Chef Christian Page. He's the chef at the helm of Short Order at L.A. Farmer's Market, and he's committed to sustainability, and you'll hear about what he thinks makes the best mixture of meat for the ultimate burger. Also, we're going to be juicing to keep you living healthy and well, and we're talking about the newest spring vegetables, soon to hit your supermarket, and how to cook Asian greens. I love bok choy, but how do you make it come alive with flavor? But first, he is the Food Network's Tyler Florence, and his new approach to cooking is not only beautiful, but it is entirely fresh. And that is the title of his new cookbook called Fresh. You'll find a recipe excerpted on the website for Tyler Florence's Roasted Cauliflower with Anchovy Capers and Fresh Thyme. We dished with him just a little bit ago. And we're glad to share it with you right here, right now. He is Tyler Florence. There's a new book out, and you heard about it here first. It's called Tyler Florence Fresh. And I am very proud to call this gentleman my friend and to admire his cooking style, his talent, and the fact that he continues to share extraordinary dishes and the fact that he makes his flavors, each one of them, individually stand out. If you haven't heard us rave yet, you must have this book. Tyler Florence is here back with us. Lucky me. And How are you? <laughs> hey, good to have you again, Chef. Good morning. Thank you so much. There's a certain artistry to the book. To me, it's just it's the other side of the coin. As people you know, watch the Food Network and, and the shows I put together, that conversation is always about you know family-style presentations, and it's about kind of creating things that your children will love as well. But this book that we're putting together certainly doesn't exclude that. But it, it takes a, the presentation, takes the focus and the artistry of the food to a whole completely different level. Oh, it does. And how about the vegetable soil? Oh, Let's yes. Talk Tyler, talk that. Vegetable soil. Basically, like you take you take beets, right? Because what do beets taste like? Oh, beautiful, Red. sweet, sugary, <laughs> yummy. Um, earthy, right? Earthy, earthy yes. umami vegetable. Yeah, goodness. Yeah. So so uh, so you take take beets and you slice some paper thin, and um, we, you know, we use a dehydrator. Uh, at the restaurant, but you can certainly put them onto a sheet pan with parchment paper that's slightly oiled. Okay. And then just take uh, beets as thin as you could possibly slice them. Or also what works out really, really well, if you just grate them with a box grater, right, and then take the shreds and kind of dry them out. You want to do it at a really, really low temperature because the idea is, is to not burn the color out because the, 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 uh, the sugars will begin to caramelize and you'll lose that earthiness and it'll start to kind of take on a different color, right, mm-hmm. so it's darker. If you do it at a really, really low temperature, and, and, and the idea is to not caramelize the sugars inside the beets, but evaporate the moisture inside the beets mm-hmm. and leave something that has about a 5% moisture ratio that's really crispy, it can snap like a cracker, right? Uh. And then you basically kind of put that into a food processor. And he blends it. Yeah, and then you just grind it down with pistachios oh. and then uh, a little bit of olive oil and a little bit of salt, and that, that's it. <laughs> and it, it, the oil kind of you know gives it sort of a, a clumpy quality to it that really kind of resembles uh, Tyler. With all due respect, with all due respect, I know your wife, Tolan, and I'm a huge fan of hers, but you may not tell her that I want to roll in your soil. I do. I totally want to roll in that vegetable soil. Fabulous. It's it's great. And and it's just kind of the interesting texture on the bottom of the plate that you can't quite put your finger on. Uh, You can taste and go, oh, my God, what is that? And then once you say it's beets, it's like, uh, of course it is. I mean, it just makes makes great sense. So, so, um, So instead of adding, you know, a crouton to... A salad for crunch. It's really an interesting texture to be able to add to a vegetable component vegetable to create something soil. really kind of interesting. And that, that vegetable soil is an addition called potato patch, which is 
really the idea of that is like a potato vine just pulled out of the ground and you shake it twice and you put it onto a plate, but everything's edible. So it's, it's a palm dolphin, which is small, it's potato puffs, very, very easy to put together, the vegetable soil, and then uh, vodka creme fraiche. It's oh. a great app. Okay, bring it on. And by the way, if you just tuned in, you're late. He is Tyler Florence, and he is in your radio for the second time this month, uh, or just some weeks ago, in fact, because that's how good this book is. It's called Tyler Florence Fresh. The next thing we're planning to make, Chef, is the smoky roasted chicken and citrus salsa, because I love anything with that wonderful, rich, smoky flavor. If you take a look at a lot of the recipes in the book, we really focus on delivering the promise with a flavorful protein. And then on top of that, it's really about sort of textures that really kind of roll like a roller coaster. So the citrus sauce on top of that, it's, you know, it's got tons of fresh citrus flavor and radish. And as it gets, you know, in roasted potatoes, and it kind of gets scattered over top of the whole thing. So as you kind of cut into the chicken, you bite it, the second bite is going to have a slightly different flavor. The third bite is going to have a slightly different flavor because it's sort of a different, slightly different kind of combination. So every time you put it in your mouth, it's a different layer of fireworks. Mm. And that's exactly what this recipe and this book is. It's fireworks. Talk us through and about some of the ice creams that you make. Because if I were to read this book and not know you, I would guess you're an ice cream lover, which would make you and Lana very, very good mm-hmm. friends, you know. <laughs> certainly kind of play around the idea of what ice creams are because we freeze a lot of a lot of vegetable pulps as well because a lot of these things can easily transform you know i don't think sugar is a flavor so when it comes to baking you know think if you something from just a sweet standpoint so it's kind of childish there's so many other way more interesting avenues you can take when it comes to putting together a smart and dessert just component. sweet yeah. it doesn't have to be sweet it doesn't necessarily have to be sugar focus it could be com- there's complexity to that it's like an you interesting create... it's an interesting concept tyler it really is because it's single dimensional yeah, it's not omnidimensional a, a out of apples mango and carrot <laughs> which is just phenomenal apples mango and carrot sorbet what time is that you can create like really interesting flavors out of pear and black pepper it's, it's a fantastic ice cream i mean really really great sorbet and and really kind of focused flavors so to me that is what i like to be able to kind of put something together that is compelling and not just sweet, because I think it's a little boring. Okay, so just so you know, I am planning to make fresh basil ice cream paired with honey, balsamic vinegar, and sliced figs in your honor. Isn't that great? So um, oh, are you guys are still getting figs right now? Because we had, you know, we had a bunch of ranch here in Northern California, so we kind of lost over the season. Yeah, no, in, here in Southern California, because of Melissa's produce and because of the farmer's markets, we do yeah. still have some winter figs. And they've actually come through the holiday season, which is really nice. They're still accessible. Up in Northern California, we just lost lots of season. I'll send you some. Which is a pretty good run. We, we had a nice run of fix. That dish itself has a little bit of history to it. We were shooting the first version of Tyler's Ultimate in the south of France in Antibes, and we were shooting with this local chef, and we made a bouillabaisse uh, from scratch. And, and, and again, it's just kind of like one of those moments you'll never forget because he, like, you hear about bouillabaisse, and you've tasted compelling ideas about what that is in New York City, but it's never the same thing. It's always sort of translated. It's, you know, a couple of generations lost. But you go to Antibes when you make that, it's always just mind-blowing about, like, again, how simple it is and how clear and beautiful the flavors are. So at the end of that, the, the chef that we're working with invited some people over, and one of his guests made basil ice cream with fresh figs, and it was basil and cream and then a little bit of natural sugar and pureed. And she did this really interesting thing with it. She took plastic wrap and she lined two cake pans, right? And then she filled the, 
basil ice cream in the cake pans, and she quickly froze them. Because if you just freeze your box ice cream too long, the ice crystals will start to solidify, and you'll have a very crunchy ice cream, which is not really nice. If you just freeze it, it's actually really beautiful. Mm. So then she had these two discs of basil ice cream that were sort of like a cake in a way. And then when she got there, she sliced fresh figs and on top of one layer and then inverted the top layer of basil ice cream and then sliced fresh figs on top of that and then drizzled with balsamic vinegar and fresh basil, and that was our dessert. I have to say, I think the simplicity of these dishes, as decked out as they look, broken down by your recipes, makes them completely accessible. And if you are looking for an easy way to put ingredients together at work in unexpected ways... He will inspire you. Tyler Florence's new book called Tyler Florence Fresh, Fresh Ideas, Fresh Flavors, Fresh Ingredients, Fresh Techniques, Fresh Presentations, Fresh Real Food from one of the best in the business. There is a pork chop and this crepe dish that you do, Chef. I mean, so many of the dishes in this book I cannot wait to make. And you know Lana and I are true and longtime fans, and we congratulate you because this really is a work of art. Lana, you mentioned this is going to be a book of the year. We know. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is an award-winning cookbook, no doubt. And he is Tyler Florence. Thank you very much. I'm so glad you guys feel that way because, you know, we produce this stuff and, and I, I live with it for a very, very long time, and then we put it out there and, and see how people feel about it. And I, I'm really inspired by this one. I, I, think, I think it's great. And we think it's great, too, and you've inspired us. It is fresh and flavorful, and it will delight your senses. He is Tyler Florence. You can learn more at TylerFlorence.com. And if you're in San Francisco, make sure to get a table at Wayfair Tavern. What an incredible restaurant. There's more from Tyler Florence to come, and you'll hear it here Tyler, it's always a pleasure. Adore you. Thank you again for the generous time and spirit. Of course, guys. There's Love more you. fabulous uh, food. Uh, Love you, uh, too. Bye. In your radio right after this. Don't go away. Food is life. Create and savor yours. We're going to make you hungry enough to lick your radio right now. So stay tuned. <laughs> chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana. It's true, Chef. That's how good you are. He is Christian Page, and he is serving innovative Americana cuisine as the executive chef of Short Order, the new eatery at the original Farmer's Market on 3rd and Fairfax in Los Angeles. It is his farm-to-table approach that really embraces California's bounty that is getting so much great acclaim, and we are delighted to welcome him to the radio waves this morning. Uh, Chef Christian Page in your radio from Short Order. Good morning to you, Chef. Glad to have you. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, Lana. And good morning, all the listeners. There we go. All right, let's start out by doing this. Enlighten our audience to the fact that you call your food philosophy, and by the way, this is fabulous, sloppy good. What exactly is or falls under the category of sloppy good? Well, the sloppy good tagline is all about comfort food with a consciousness to it. Hmm. And so basically we're making really simple, approachable Americana dishes, and then the good is that we're doing it with ingredients that are really sustainable ingredients that are truly farm-to-table stuff. For instance, we're making really great burgers, but we're getting whole steers in. We break them down and fabricate and grind our own meat, so we do custom blends, but we do it all in-house, and then we use all the steaks that we take off the animals to prepare different specials that we have throughout the week. We take all the briskets and we make our own corned beef, which goes into our Reuben and our corned beef hash. Yeah, which, by the way, has limited availability, as all great Reubens should. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. There's only so many briskets per beef. Per beef, baby. That's right. The cow <laughs> only has so many. I love the idea that you feel that there's love in the food and that it starts from the source because we've seen restaurants that come and go and try to be sustainable and environmentally conscious and humane and well-sourced. But you've proven over the past year that you do serve a really better burger. I wonder if you could disclose, I won't tell anybody, chef, I promise, um, a couple of your best burger blends or give us an idea of what tastes great. For us, it all starts with the people who are raising the animals. And so we work really closely with Stemple Creek Ranch, which is up in Point Reyes, and with Magruder Ranch, which is in Potter Valley. And those two producers put so much care into the way that they raise their animals, which, by the way, are all grass-fed and grass-finished, but mm-hmm. still have a nice marbling. You want to get some fat in there. You need that for the flavor, but it's healthy fat that's in those type of animals. And so it really starts with them. And so, it, you know, we do a rotating blend from different cuts, and it doesn't matter what meat we use off of it. It's always super tasty because it all starts from the source. I think it's interesting that you mentioned the marbling when it comes to grass-fed because not all grass-fed meat is the same. And the marbling really is important to create the fat because I say never pack a burger tight. You want to be loose enough that the fat can actually sort of seep all the way through the meat, right? So that when you bite into it, you get the juiciness that sort of drips down the side of your mouth and onto your chin. Yeah, you want that fat to base the meat while it cooks to keep it really moist and Ooh. give it that good flavor. And you're right, not a lot of yeah, base me, baby. Yeah, not a lot of uh, producers are able to achieve what I would call good enough level of fat in grass-fed animals. You have to really it takes a lot of technical experience, a lot of understanding, you know, how to really take care of your animals and keeping them from being stressed because the animals burn a lot more calories when they're stressed, actually. Uh, and you need to keep them, like, you know, in a really good and comfortable living situation. And then you're able to actually, and, and you have to raise them a little bit longer than normal commercial growth systems are willing to let them grow mm-hmm. so that they can pack on fat from just strictly a grass-fed diet. And those two producers, Stemple Creek and Magruder, are able to really successfully do that consistently. Yeah, teach us how to make a really great melt, if you would, or a sandwich. In fact, I vote for the BPBLTA. That's <laughs> that's that was BLT. yours? That's your BLT, but it's so much more. If I may read the it's description, great. it's um, North County Applewood bacon with pork belly and bib lettuce with heirloom tomatoes, avocado, truffle mayo on country white bread. Count me in. Yeah. So we've actually changed it a little bit because seasonally we changed the way that we approach the tomatoes that goes on that sandwich. Okay. And since re- the heirloom tomatoes were this summer and also the truffles that we were using, we were getting then. So now we actually don't put the truffles on because you can't get the fresh truffles that we like to use right now. So now it's pork belly that we brine and then cook for about 24 hours in-house. The same North Country applewood bacon. Mm. We put our bib lettuce on there. We get a whole half of a fresh avocado. Get slice put on there. And then for the tomato, what we do now is we have made a tomato jam from the tomatoes from the summer. We make mm. big tons and tons of tomato jam, and then we spread that on it. So you still get that beautiful tomato acidity and sweetness on the sandwich. But, you know, we don't use them as big fat slices when they're out of season because tomatoes right now is not anywhere near like our tomatoes in our summer. Extended summer that we may have, it doesn't go into into uh, into winter yeah no yeah, i hear you winter. i hear and you then, uh, and then it gets the mayo and the country white bread and i mean behind that sandwich it's really just about any good sandwich you got to have all the different layers of flavor and texture that are on there you want to have the 
you have one bacon that's crunchy, and then you have our house pork belly, which is a little bit fattier. So it's a little bit mm. less of the fat is cooked out of there. You get like a really supple texture on that. And the mm. bib lettuce gives you some crunch, and then while the avocado comes in when it has the vegetable suppleness to it. Mm. And then you get a really tanginess, and mm. there's a little toasted fennel and white pepper in that tomato jam, so like really tangy and herbaceous. And then you get our house-made mayo from Chino Valley Rancher Organic Eggs. They're just, just a beautiful, just rich taste, and then beautiful country white bread mm. that's baked at our our bakery shortcake by Forty Sahaki, and and um, that bread just got a really nice flavor. And you got to toast the bread right in sandwiches like this. Mm-hmm. You got to toast the bread right because you know when you when you sink your teeth into well toasted bread and then you get all that richness in between. I mean that's a good sandwich right there. All right, everybody that's listening just experienced what I call by definition culinary porn. <laughs> that's exactly what that was. Talk to me again, Talking baby. About clean that's food, right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I think there's something to be said for what Chef said. And, and by the way, if you've just tuned in, you're really late because you missed a description prior to this on a really brilliant burger. He is Chef Christian Page, and the restaurant is called Short Order. It is just about a year old now, and it's a menu that lends itself to greater sustainability than you've seen anywhere else. Partnering with Nancy Silverton to create a menu, Chef Christian is at the helm, and you will find them at the original Farmer's Market on 3rd and Fairfax. Aside from the sandwiches and the melts and the burgers, and the starters, there's a couple daily specials that I think I might have to sleep over for, Lana. Oh, there's no doubt. But I must ask about the pretzel pup. Oh, yeah, there's a couple because pups the, you've got there. The pretzel bun. Those are made at our bakery as well. They're really beautiful pretzel buns that are made over there. Mm. That Corey Sahakian, again, is over, is over there making those at Shortcake for us. And then we make a kraut in-house, so it's a house-seared kraut that we make. And then the Let's Be Frank ladies make us our hot dogs, and that's a smoky, all-grass-fed beef sausage in a natural lamb casing that goes on that very, very tasty. Okay, by the way, you can have a pretzel puff, but I'm having a corn puff because it has Anson Mills (laughs) corn batter and mustard surrounding one of those better dogs. I'm in. I'm definitely in. And then I'm going on Sunday for the beef stroganoff. That's what I was going for. Oh, we'll go together. We should go together. Leave us with that, (laughs) Chef, because it is a Sunday morning and we're all planning for Sunday supper. And I think it's been pretty cool for us Southern Californians lately. Uh, Beef stroganoff just seems like the ultimate Sunday supper comfort meal. And if you would um, share a couple of insights. Every one of the steer that we get in every week has, you know, a couple, two tenderloins on it. And so... We slice up that meat, which is, you know, the most tender part of the meat. And these days, honestly, uh, underutilized thing. It became so expensive because of its scarcity. But for us, we're buying whole steers. So we go through every cut of the meat with each of these daily specials, and we finish up with those beautiful tenderloins. And we just get those cut up into nice, long strips of meat. They get browned off in a pan. You have the flavors of shallots. We flambe it with cognac. And then we basically take a really rich, beautiful demi-gloss that we make ourselves from breaking down all the bones of the animal. And it takes it's about a two, two-and-a-half-day process. It's a beautiful, clean, rich beef flavor that flavors that sauce. And then we make some uh, creme fraiche in-house from Strauss dairy that we get, which is what gives the richness to that sauce. And yeah, and, some- and by the way, a great secret to stroganoff because you can Absolutely. bring it back up to temperature and with the creme fraiche, the sauce doesn't break, but you get a luxurious richness. Exactly. Yeah, just beautiful. And, yep, this that with some really nice buttered and dilled egg noodles. Oh, okay. And you just have a classic, delicious yeah. 
stroganoff from beautiful grass-fed beef. We'll be right there, all right? You save a couple for us. And to top it off with a beer float. Yes. Or a Jackie O. Or a cocktail created by uh, one of their award-winning mixologists as well. There is a bakery, as Chef mentioned, right next door, and you're going to hear from the pastry chef coming up on this show in the weeks to come. Chef, we can't wait to see you for Stroganoff. Thank you for doing it right, for no doubt propelling the movement that is sustainable and giving back and eco-friendly and doing it all at the same time as you've created an incredible menu that is truly delicious. Congratulations to you. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me on. And My pleasure. hope everybody continues to eat well. Yes, that's what I like to say. We have that in common, <laughs> you and I. At the Original Farmer's Market on 3rd and Fairfax, you'll find Christian Page behind the stove. The restaurant is called Short Order, and trust me, the menu is fantastic. You heard it here first, making sure that you're dining in the best places, that you're traveling to the most delicious destinations, and that you do have your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the fabulous world of food. Stay tuned. There's more delicious conversation right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana. Be right back. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio as the delicious conversation continues. Have you had your 15 pounds of fruits and vegetables today? That's how many Nectar's Daily Juice Cleanse contains to re-energize, detoxify, and cleanse, of course. And it really did feel so good. I did a two-day juice cleanse with Nectar, an extraordinary store with eight locations now in L.A. and Orange County that allows you to, I think, really embrace the trend of juice cleansing. Now, we know that fasting is as old as the oldest religion, but it's very in vogue to juice. And if you're looking for that sort of experience of enlightenment, of eating healthier foods, then this is for you to try to bring us some enlightenment on the craze of juice cleanse and all of its virtues is Alexis Schultz. She is here uh, and she is the founder of Nectar. And I love, in fact, that you call yourself the Chief Visionary Officer, is it, Alexis? Yes, yes it is. <laughs> Welcome to the show. We're glad to have you, and congratulations on the success of Nectar. Thank you very much. Yes, of course. Um, talk to us, if you would, from a very personal standpoint about what you believe are the virtues of juicing. Well, I think most of us are so busy in our lives, it's hard to get whole foods into our diet. So juicing is a way to get those real fruits and vegetables in you know, a large amount all at once. So then you don't have to feel guilty the rest of the day about what you didn't eat. So it's convenient, it's easy, it's fresh, and it's live. So it's a lot of things we don't get every day unless we do. I thought it was interesting to read the nutritional analysis on a lot of uh, what I drank. Mm -hmm. I did a two-day juice cleanse, six bottles of different freshly squeezed juices each day. And I have to tell you, I must commend myself, Alexis, only because this was a true test of self-control for me. Being such a diehard foodie, I was very proud of myself to get through the cleanse. I did not have coffee either day. Um, I missed chewing a little, and I did add in a small handful of almonds, as you had suggested, in the materials that I received with all my juice. But I thought that the nutrients, along with minimal calories, was a really incredible dichotomy. Yes, I think everything we eat is so filled with calories. You know, it's kind of the opposite. So many calories without really the nutrients. It kind of makes you really look at what you are putting into your body. 
Yeah, that's very true. And it was interesting to me as well to see the toxic buildup that you can really cleanse your system of. A lot of the things that we've seen, the virtues of juicing benefit is, uh, as you talk about, inflammation, um, fatigue, trouble sleeping. I will say one of the things that I experienced from the nectar cleanse was tremendous clarity. I never had a lunch coma. I, I, I felt really alert and awake throughout the day. It's flooding your system with all those nutrients. And, and I think, too, a lot of the foods we eat on a regular basis do kind of slow us down. Our bodies have to work so hard to process them. So it shuts down all the other systems to some degree so that we can work from our digestive system. So when you put all that stuff in, it just absorbs what it needs and the rest goes out. And, and that it does, yes. One of the things that I love too, and Lana, I mentioned this to you, my favorite part of the day was looking forward to dessert. And I wish it, I, I meant creme brulee. Which is the last, <laughs> I didn't. The last juice of the day. Yes, the last juice yeah. of the day mm-hmm. they refer to as dessert at Nectar because it is very sweetly flavored with vanilla bean. And it has this wonderful, rich almond milk flavor it was i mean i think i was fantasizing alexis but it was almost like a shake <laughs> yeah yeah if you froze it it would be vanilla bean ice cream essentially yeah, it's, it's supposed to have oh, that really? flavor mm-hmm. and just delicious and made up of what again if you would just tell us what went into the bottle it's sprouted raw cashews so raw cashews higher higher fat content but it's actually a perfectly balanced fat so your body knows what to do with it it uses what it needs and the rest goes as everything goes out. Um, it's uh, soaked so that you get the higher nutrient density. Also, it makes it softer to puree. Um, and then it's blended with agave nectar and fresh vanilla bean. We actually take the fresh vanilla bean and scrape it out. Very mm-hmm. gourmet. Yes, very gourmet. <laughs> um, and then with water. You know, it's just blended to this wonderful milky consistency. So it stays with you. Yeah, it definitely was satiating. And, and it was rich and delicious and the, and the best part of the day for sure. I thought it was interesting about a detox. And Lana, you and I have talked mm-hmm. a lot about this too. It shifts you away from some of your bad habits. Like I didn't find I was craving sugar as much coming off the cleanse when I went mm-hmm. back into real food. Um, I thought it was sort of fostering healthier habits only because I was craving the green, the vegetable, the apple following my juice days. Mm-hmm. So it was an interesting sort of effect per se. But halfway through the day, there's an alkalining green blend that yes. features all the greens, yes. yeah. which helps to detoxify and stimulate the antibodies in your system. Um, Alexis, when you say alkalining, I know you mentioned that word before. Uh-huh. Uh, tell, tell us what you mean by that. Well, um, you know, everything has a, a certain acidity to it. Um, and meats and processed foods, dairy, all those things are very acidic. Her body just should retain kind of a normal state. You know, it's almost like a fish tank. If you picture, you know, if it's too acid, the, the, the equilibrium, so to speak, or the environment that kids are living in can't sustain, and so much to the same. So trying to get that balance in most of our bodies with our diets consisting majority of, you know, foods that are acidic. So to pull in some alkaline greens, you know, there's very few things that are that alkaline in the mostly American diet. So we're swayed so far. Um, even so much of our water it tends to be even acidic. Mm-hmm. So just to even get the green celery is highly alkalizing lemon. I mean, you would alkalize your body to a large degree just by adding lemon every morning, first thing, mm-hmm. uh, which seems kind of counterintuitive because lemon 
is an acid to us. It's actually highly alkalizing in our body. Interesting. Okay, that's a great tip, actually. Add some sort of lemon juice. Lemon <clears throat> in hot water. Yeah, lemon in water in the morning um, yeah. to really jumpstart the body for the day. Um, on a totally another uh, level or concept, one of the things that you've had tremendous success with that I must mention, because a girlfriend mentioned it to me, is, oh, have you tasted the Nectar Skinny Mixers? So I might juice in the middle of the day, or I might substitute my vodka mixer and feel better about myself. <laughs> yes. Yes. So mixers were created. Ironically, we had people coming in and taking some of our grab-and-go drinks and mixing them with alcohol. And I thought, well, what a brilliant idea. Smart. There's so many things out there that are you know, artificial flavors, high in sugar. Um, so if you're going to drink vodka, and most of us at this point in our lives are drinking better vodkas and trying to, you know, starve off the hangover as best we can. Um, but this, you know, the lower calories, it's fresh, cold-pressed fruits and vegetables, a little bit of uh, puree, and then we infuse them with herbs. So it's kind of like your fancy martini that you could get at some of the high-end restaurants, only you can now make it, you know, for parties and with friends and kind of make it... Um, more available. I think it's a brilliant idea and just a terrific substitute for some of the uh, high caloric mixers. You can find the skinny mixers available at Nectar Juice Bar. Uh, the juice bars, there are eight locations between LA and Orange County, were founded by husband and wife entrepreneurs Stephen Alexis Schultz, and they specialize in fresh, cold pressed juice blends and cleanses. And whether you choose to juice at home to detoxify and energize, or you want it all done for you. How brilliant is that? Head on over to a Nectar or have it delivered to you today. I really did feel good, Alexis, and I congratulate you and I thank you as well um, for making a difference in all of our lives, uh, foodies too. Thank you very yes, much. A pleasure. Being a fellow foodie, it's an honor. Yes, well, thank you very much <laughs> and uh, loved the drinks. Thanks. Nectar Cleanse, available at Nectar, N-E-K. T-E-R. Learn more at NectarJuiceBar.com. You'll hear it here. All of the trends and the goings-on in the food industry, whether it be truly indulgent or uh, that which makes your body better. There's more right after this. Don't go away. We have a taste for life, and we're hoping to satisfy your cravings every Sunday morning, beginning at 8 a.m., two hours of delicious conversation and fabulous food dedicated to delicious dishes. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana, in your radio, going way beyond mere eating and drinking here. In fact, if you are an adventurous food lover and you love to indulge in fabulous food and fine wine, then I hope you will join me for my annual listeners cruise this year aboard the world's most delicious cruise line, Oceana Cruises. Come cruise with me as we experience the brilliance and the beauty of the Baltics. Our Baltic Odyssey begins on September 3rd, 2013. We set sail for a 10-day journey starting in Copenhagen, Denmark. And there is a cooking school on board. It's, in fact, the only cruise line that has an actual cooking school at sea. It's a Bon Appetit Culinary Center led by Chef Catherine Kelly, and I am very proud to be cooking once again. My private group with a private cooking class will have a food and wine seminar. We do a wonderful cocktail party, cocktail party rather, and a farewell dinner, and it's uh, the way to really make friendships that will last a lifetime and to experience some of the most beautiful and delicious places in the world. Uh, we're also going to have a great, fun evening sailing away with Chef Catherine Kelly 
and yourself yeah. uh, teaching us about caviar at Blinis and Champagne when we leave St. Petersburg, Russia. Yeah, that sounds really tough. <laughs> <laughs> Twist my arm. We're going to put out a uh, different array of vodkas from around the world. Um, Chef Catherine is going to teach Blinis, and we're going to open some tins of caviar and use our little miniature pearl spoons to uh, mother of pearl spoons to taste away. Um, we do start um, in Copenhagen, Denmark. And what I think is extraordinary about this cruise is not only food and wine, and we are going to find some of the best Arctic char and the blinis and the vodka. Mm. And uh, I mean, there's incredible sausages to be had in many of these places too. But the art and the history is really miraculous too. In Copenhagen, Denmark, there is a canal boat cruise through the heart of the city where you can see the famous statue the Little Mermaid, which was made famous by Denmark's famous author, Hans Christian Andersen. And then from the beautiful city of Copenhagen, we're cruising to Berlin, Germany, where we're going to see the site of the Berlin Wall. Mm. And that's where we're having lunch on Wurst and Kraut and beer. And I'm having maybe more than one fresh hot pretzel <laughs> and some sinful pastries, just so you know. And then we're off to Dansk, Poland, which we've heard incredible things about, Lana, mm. um, where they have this really incredibly deeply rooted history in the city, and they're oh. all about pierogies and mushroom soup. Oh. I like that about them. Delicious as well as historic. Yeah, and there's a, a historic Lenin shipyard and mm -hmm. the famous Neptune's Fountain. So art, history, and food all together. Um, then we're going to Estonia, where we have a friend whose name mm -hmm. is Lana as well, mm -hmm. who comes from Tallinn, Estonia. So she's, every time we uh, catch up with her, giving us new suggestions as mm -hmm. to, because her family, her mother still lives there, where to go, what's new, what's old, and how to find a really beautiful balance between the two. And she does believe that the artwork is even greater in Tallinn than St. Petersburg. I, I think that's truly amazing. Mm -hmm. The New York Times believes that some of the best restaurants in mm -hmm. Europe right now, uh, one of them which could be found in Tallinn, uh, has a gastronomic awakening going on. Mm -hmm. So um, it should be quite incredible to see their old town, which largely escaped the ravages of World War II. It reminds me of Bruges yes, in Brussels. Almost unchanged Brussels. for mm -hmm. 600 years. Pretty cool. Um, then from Estonia, we spent three days exploring St. Petersburg, and that's the canals and the palaces and the ballets and the borscht and the blinis and the caviar. <laughs> and 300 bridges and 100 islands. Yeah, it, I'm really excited. I will tell you mo probably most so for St. <laughs> Petersburg. Uh, what an extraordinarily majestic city mm. to see. And then um, we're off to Helsinki, Finland. They have a lively market square. And in fact, uh, the one of the oldest open air markets mm. uh, where you can taste different varieties of herring as you go, you know, booth to booth to booth, mm -hmm. which and is very cool. And did you know that Helsinki was named the 2012 design capital of the world? I didn't. Mm. Innovative design and development of this in this wonderful city. They're very progressive exciting to be there. From what I understand. Yes, very exciting. And then we end in Stockholm, Sweden, and we'll walk the old town and the Royal Gardens. And um, with our Chef Jamie group, uh, it should be, I think, uh, an extraordinary opportunity to see the world. Um, you're actually going to see the City Hall in Stockholm, Sweden, I understand, on our uh, or one of the excursions that's mm -hmm. offered, which is where the majority of Nobel Prizes are awarded. Oh, that's pretty cool. To be there. How marvelous. So and we'll be drinking a lot of coffee. 
Yes, and oh, vodka. Because Catherine Kelly told us that the mm-hmm. cows there are raised to make a good cappuccino. <laughs> and I like that. And she said the cheese is incredible, too. They eat this pure grass, which make the milk and the cappuccino taste very special. And you thought we were coffee fanatics in the States. Oh. Supposedly, they are insane mm-hmm. coffee fanatics. So I can't wait to witness it. It's uh, truly the vacation of a lifetime. It starts at $4,300 per person uh, aboard Oceana Cruise Line, which, by the way, they've never had an issue on Oceana, just for the record. And um, it's just 1,200 passengers on board. And at $4,300 per person, that includes round-trip airfare to Europe. It is designed and operated um, Oceana Cruise Lines and, and considered to be the highest-rated food cruise line and the Condé Nast Traveler Reader's Poll best cruise line overall. Mm. So um, there are open-seating restaurants on board. Um, we're going to eat at Jacques Pepin. French Bistro once again, um, and the spa is Canyon Ranch, not so bad. It, it really feels like a very intimate small ship. Yeah, it really does. It's and just beautiful and very brand new. It's only a year old. Can't wait right to now. be on board mm-hmm. once again. We hope you'll join us. There's more information at chefjamie.com. Come cruise with us. Explore the Baltics this September. We depart September 3rd, 2013. Space is available, and there are special offers going on right now. So please do join me on the open sea. If you're planning for your Oscar menu coming up, we're going to talk about some Oscar cocktails. But uh, prompted by a bunch of emails from our loyal food lovers who listen to this show, we've been starting to sort of uh, discuss you and I or... Mm-hmm you know, create some new recipes that are no doubt inspired by the next seasonal produce about to hit the market. We're coming into spring. We are. And winter is waning Mm -hmm. and spring is arriving. And I think that the fresh produce that comes in this transition is some of the most beautiful. I am big on greens Mm -hmm. and what's coming in a lot of really good, leafy, wonderful, rustic greens. We're seeing asparagus just start to hit the farmer's market, uh, Bristol Farms, your favorite uh, produce area or section, Uh, asparagus, avocado, uh, getting better than ever. Uh, Lots of Brussels, cabbage, lots of brassica, the cauliflower, the broccoli, chard and collars and uh, collards rather dandelion chicory greens and the asian greens which i think don't get enough play they don't Mm -hmm. get enough attention Mm -hmm. one of the things we love about melissa's produce is that they bring us from around the world the best that's available uh, seasonally and now the asian essentials are starting to come out and melissa's cleans them for you and they give you this container of very healthy asian greens that you you can literally open and cook right Mm -hmm. so everything from napa cabbage to bok choy to shanghai to um choy sum i love all these asian greens but how do you cook them um i think that you'll find the farmer's market is buried in shades of green but the question is always if it's unfamiliar what do i do so I think that of the most familiar of the Asian greens is bok choy. Mm -hmm. We thought we would share some delicious inspiration. And I think there are two delicious ways to share bok choy at the table, either steamed or 
pan pan or uh, wok pan fried wok sauté stir fried stir fried however mm-hmm. you want to call it right so let's start with the stir fried version because I think that's the fullest in flavor mm. you start with about a pound of Asian greens and Melissa's cleans them for you thank you Melissa's the baby bok choy are my favorite and you take off any of the tough leaves if you're using the big bok choy by the way um, you always want to remove any of the thick stems or if you see um, that it's looking fibrous like a white woody center Mm -hmm. trim it more and then um, for the bok choy or the Chinese mustard just make sure they're nice and clean and if you need to rinse them well and then um, you want to heat your wok or a big huge frying pan Mm -hmm. and add a a neutral oil and preferably preferably one with a high smoking point like vegetable oil you could use grape seed oil Peanut oil. Peanut oil is a great Mm -hmm. choice. Add um, some sliced or chopped garlic and about 15 seconds or so of stirring, the garlic is going to begin to brown. Then you want to add in the stalks of bok choy or the Asian greens. And if you've rinsed them, they're still slightly damp and that moisture is going to create steam, which is going to cook down the greens just a bit. Cover and cook until the stems are sort of tender crisp. And Asian greens, you know, as a... A sort of universal l- rule don't usually take more than two or three minutes mm-hmm. or so now you could add in ginger your favorite aromatics if you like but this is truly just the basic approach mm-hmm. to stir fried asian greens then i like to finish with a little bit of soy sauce you could use oyster sauce if you wanted one of the international collection stir fry oils that mm, has the flavor nice. of sesame as a mm-hmm. finishing flavor as well and you just want the leaves to be barely wilted and adjust the seasoning and then just serve it straight from the wok alongside a really beautiful ginger steamed piece of fish mm-hmm. um, or you could put out a big glorious plate of um, you know variously cooked vegetables and have a meatless monday mm. dinner um, i love your idea because you are a fried rice girl i love to mix them into my fried rice yeah that's Chop so them yummy up and add them in with uh, all, all different things whether it be shiitake mushrooms nice. or uh, anything mm. crunchy goes in there as well. Mm-mm-mm. I'm going to post the um, recipes and uh, the technique to pan steamed Asian greens and stir fried Asian greens on Facebook at Chef Jamie Gwen. Um, speaking of produce, it is National Potato Lovers Month. Are you a potato lover, Lana? Yes, I am. <laughs> Especially so, a baked potato. Yes, I was asked how to make the ultimate baked potato, um, one that has the the beautiful sort of salty but not overpowering flavor of your favorite steakhouse and so here is my best suggestion it does not require a piece of aluminum foil but rather it is best roasted open and at high heat so next time you make a baked potato to honor potato lovers month i want you to preheat the oven to 425 degrees Wash your potatoes, poke the vent holes to release the steam. While the potato is still wet, coat it liberally with kosher salt, just as much as will stick to the skin, and place the salted potato directly on the rack in your oven at 425 degrees for an hour and 15 minutes. You do not peek. You do not open the oven door. You get this really beautifully seasoned all the way through baked potato with a gorgeous crust. You brush off the salt before Mm. you serve it. And then you put out every favorite topping possibility you can think of from butter and sour cream to chives and bacon uh, to feta cheese or blue cheese or goat cheese or, you know, drizzle with Mm -hmm. olive oil. But that is uh, my way of honoring 
National Potato Lovers Month with what I think is the ultimate baked potato. And that is the ultimate. Yeah, that it is. Mm -hmm. And then you'll find recipes, by the way, on the website at chefjamie.com. The Cook with Lana recipe this week is a poblano soup with chicken and corn. And I will tell you... Yes, I can testify. It is a delicious one at that. It's a perfectly full meal with beet and spinach salad. Perfect. Fettuccine with seared scallops, winter pears, and lemon cream, and an individual banoffee pie. This is my new favorite thing, is to make dessert. I love to have a dinner party when everyone comes over, but just to assemble dessert, it's banana, coffee, chocolate, and caramel. How bad could it be? And we'll leave you with this. Coming up next Sunday, it is Oscar Sunday, Academy Awards night, and we hope you'll join us for the ultimate Oscar-worthy menu brought to you, yes, he will be here, by Wolfgang Puck, live in your radio, so don't miss it. Uh, You'll also hear from uh, a bevy of, I think, really talented culinary aficionados. You'll hear from Joe Rafa. He is the corporate chef for my culinary crush, Jose Andres, and he's going to talk about the best of Jose Andres restaurants. Michael Fiorelli of Terranea Hotel is joining us as well. Plus, we're going to be heart healthy, and we're talking up wines from Sterling Vineyards actually served at the Academy Awards. Lana, how about we kick off next Sunday's show with these Oscar cocktail inspirations for 2013 so pick your favorite movie and we'll pair a cocktail coming up next sunday when the delicious conversation continues meet us here chef jamie gwen along with lana signing off we thank you for listening and we hope you continue to eat well the preceding program has been brought to you by taste bud entertainment